Good morning, Grace. Good morning, everybody online, including my parents in Miami. Mommy, papi, los quiero. Couple at home, too. Hi, Libby. All right, I got that out of the way. Um, so we continue our study in Exodus this morning, Exodus 33, 1 to 11. That's page 73 in your pew Bible. I'll give you a few mo moments to get there. Page 73. Exodus 33, 1. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I, I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent used to take, to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, would not depart from the tent. The word of God. Praise God. Good morning again, beloved. Before I get started, I just want to say I love you all. It's been a joy to be able to preach God's word. Um, I feel like, a, I told you guys before, I feel like a baby lion. And you guys give me the, the opportunity to mess up the furniture a little bit. Because one day there's a hope to seeing a lion, right? Oh man, that, that song, that it's already been won. We don't know what he's doing, but we know what he has done. You believe that this morning? Whew, that would preach. But thank you for gathering together. We are continuing our series in the book of Exodus, From Slavery to Glory. That's what it's titled. A quick summary if you guys have not been here throughout this book of Exodus, so you, where you can get a picture of what's going on. The book of Exodus begins with Israel 
as slaves in Egypt. God hears their cry for help and he raises up a leader, Moses, to go and rescue his people out of slavery and out of Egypt. God redeems his people from slavery from a wicked king, the Pharaoh of Egypt, in order for them to know him, to serve him, and to worship him. Along the way, not only did Israelites have to grow in their understanding of who God was, but also Moses. He had to grow and understand who God is. God had been shaping both the leader and the people to know him, to serve him, and to worship him. After many plagues, Pharaoh decides to let God's people go. And off they went outside of Egypt and facing the Red Sea. Moses raises his staff, the seas part, the people walk on dry land, afraid because the Egyptians and Pharaoh are right behind them. God allowed them to pass on dry land and he allowed the Red Sea to come down on the Egyptians including Pharaoh, it swallows them up whole. So the first 18 chapters of Exodus shows us or communicates to us that we have a God that saves. The Lord now in verses in chapters 19 through 40 is saying that we have a God who wants to make his presence known. From all throughout history, from the book of Genesis to Revelation, the whole book of Exodus and the whole Bible, God has a desire to make himself known to his people so we can know him, to serve him, and to worship him. God done this for the Israelites by giving them the Ten Commandments. He has made a covenant with his people that if they obey the laws, they will be blessed. And if they disobey, they will be cursed. If you haven't tracked with us so far, you have understood one thing that it wasn't very hard to get Israel out of Egypt, but it's been hard to get Egypt out of Israel. So last week we witnessed the Israelites making the greatest mistake of their lives. They decided to rebel against God. They made a golden calf to worship God instead of serving him. The people had broken covenant with the Lord. God sent his judgments upon them, but he also graciously provided for them a mediator. Through Moses. Moses decided to offer himself in the place of Israel. He asked God to blot out his name from his book for Israel's sake. This morning we will see how God doesn't take Moses' offer, but he offers an encounter offer. The people will receive the promised land, but without the presence of God. In other words, the people will receive the very blessings of God apart from his presence. The title for today's sermon is The Presence of God. Think about this for a second. The counter offer that God is offering Israel, would you accept it? Would you take that offer? Before you say no, let me paint that picture for you. If God promised you a land that is rich with your favorite food and drink, would you take it? A land where there is no more paying taxes, there's no more child support, there's no more disease, there's no more sickness, there's no more broken hearts. Imagine a land where there is no more funerals to attend. Would you take it? 
No more abuse, no more abortion, no more failing marriages. No more chemotherapy, no more sickness, no more sin. And they said, we have all our friends would be there, all their beautiful smiles and laughter. But there's one catch. God won't be there. But you still want to go? This is the challenge. This is what Israel is up against in our text. The main idea or the argument for today's sermon is there is no greater blessing than the presence of God. See, every single one of us, we had a fork in the road where we can go one or two directions. We can go down a direction where God is going to bless us, but without his presence. Oh, that God is going to show us who he is, that we get to receive the very presence of God above everything else. So which path would you choose? And that's fork of the road. Which direction would you head? Those two paths will be the two points of the sermon today. Those two paths of, in Exodus 33, verse 1 through 11, gives us two ways to live. Or two paths it takes. Point one would be God's blessings over his presence. And point two would be God's presence over his blessings. Point one, God's blessings over his presence. Take a look at chapter 33, verse one. The Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land in which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. We serve a God who's a promise keeper. God has promised Abraham and his offspring that he will give them a land, that he will make his family as numerous as the stars. In verse 2, God tells Moses that he would send an angel to go before him to protect him and his people and to drive out all of their enemies. God is telling them that they won't have to worry about a thing because the angel is going to take care of it all. In verse 3, we see that God is giving them a land that is flowing with milk and honey, meaning there is no shortage of cows. There's no shortage of bees. There is fullness of food. There's no, no shortage. There is a pos- there's great prosperity in this land. But there's a catch 22. I will not go with you. Because in my holiness, because in my, in my, who I am is holy, because you guys are sinners, I will consume you if I go up with you. God has called his people a stiff-necked people. Picture a child that is refusing to obey his parents. It refuses to turn its neck towards the direction that the parents are trying to direct. Picture walking a dog. You guys ever walked a dog? And the dog wound up walking you? It's going in the opposite direction that you, you are trying to direct it? That's Israel. And that's us. You see, in Exodus chapter 32, the people sinned horribly against God at Mount Sinai. The people have sinned against God. They have broken covenant with God. They fashioned a golden calf and they worshiped it in place of Yahweh. Serving their own passions rather than the God Almighty. 
So God in his glory of wrath, he must eliminate sin from humanity. And what we all know is that deep in our hearts that that means God will have to eliminate us because we have sin in us. Moses could not give his life for the Israelites because he too was a sinner. You see, rather than destroying them, God is offering them a caveat, a counteroffer. Rather than to destroy them, I will distance myself from them. You see, the Israelites, by the mercy of God, are able to still get the promised land and even be led by an angel, but there's a caveat. God will not go up with them. God's promises without his presence. A land flowing with milk and honey, but his presence would not be there. When you think about it, God is just giving the people what they want after all. They're giving them what their hearts most desire. You see, this is the same nation that grew impatient with Moses. Moses didn't come down from that mountain, so they said, hey, let's take these ornaments and let's make a God in, in our own image. A calf, so that we can worship God on our terms. You see, the path of blessings over God's presence, it promises us uh, that we, it, we, we treat God like a, a, our own personal vending machine, right? Where you tap the button of what you want, you, you put your hand inside, and you receive what your heart desires. Is God your own personal vending machine this morning? Are you trying to shape God in your own image? Does God's blessing look a little bit more better than his presence? You see, in the fork in the road, where are you going down? What path? You see, God, I want a spouse, so I'm going to keep myself pure. So that way you can bless me. So that way when we are pure, we say, God, where is my wife? Where is my husband? Oh, you're working hard at your job every day and you're waiting for that raise, that promotion? Is that you? Are you reading your Bible every day hoping that you will grow spiritually but missing the very presence of God? You see, all those things are good, aren't they? But are they better than the very presence of God? You see, the path of elevating God's blessings over his presence gives us a system of works that puts us in control of our lives instead of trusting and resting and depending upon God and his presence. The path of blessings over the presence of God tells us if we, we got to do whatever we got to do in order to get what we truly want. You want a great marriage? Follow these 10 principles. You want your children to behave? You have a better kid by Friday? Read this book. Right? Train your child up in the way they should go, and guess what? They will not depart. We love systems, don't we? It's, we love formulas. The, these formulas, these systems, they promise prosperity, but guess what? It's very absence from the presence of God. It's a false gospel that tells us to decide what we want in life and then figure out how to get it. We, it's just another way for us to be in control of our lives instead of trusting and depending upon God. 
Beloved, God is not an end. God is not just a means for you to get what you want. He is the end. Every blessing, every good thing comes from God and it's meant to point us to God. Blessings are good. All those things that I listed are good things and they're meant to to bring us into the presence of God to praise and and worship him. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of heavenly lights. See, that's what happened with the golden calf. You see, the irony about them being impatient with God is all they had to do was look up. All they had to do was look up and see Moses talking to God. God was right there. But instead, they used the very gifts of God, the jewelry that he gave them in Egypt, to craft a golden image for them to worship. You see, we've been doing this from the very beginning. You see, Adam and Eve in the garden, guess what, those two trees, the tree of life, if you eat of the fruit, the, 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 the fruit you will receive life from God, or the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what does Satan say? That you will be just like God. And we all know what they chose. They chose to be like God instead of trusting in God. The systems that put us in charge of our lives. It's a system of if you do A, you will get B. If you work hard, you will receive that promotion. If you tithe 10%, God is going to bless you richly. Have you guys heard that? That is a false gospel. It's promising the very blessings of God, but it doesn't promise us the very presence of God. Is God's presence all you need today? You see, do you want the blessing of heaven apart from the Savior of heaven? See, this is what God has promised us in heaven, a brand new body. I know we're longing for that. We're looking forward to that. But even more, no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more sorrow. Fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore. A life of total peace. No more death. Heaven is going to be a beautiful place. But would you want to go if God was not there? I asked my son this question. And he's he a very intellectual kid. He said, Dad, that would be impossible. It would be impossible to have all those things without God. And he's right. But most of us are rearranging our lives here on this earth as if this is all there is. That this is heaven on earth. We are choosing God's blessings over his presence. This is idolatry. To choose the creation over the creator is idolatry. You see, a creature without his creator will always feel empty and anxious and hungry for something more. Never satisfied. See, what must we do? What must we do if we have gone through the path of blessing over God's presence? What must we do if we have elevated the gift over the giver? We must repent. We must turn around and head towards the presence of God. Take a look at verse 4. It says, when the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and, and no one put on his ornaments. When the people heard this awful word, that disastrous word can be translated as an awful word, bad news. 
the opposite of good news. That they would receive the promised land apart from God was bad news. They cried. They had godly sorrow because of their sin. Because they were losing the very presence of God. They realized how much their idolatry affected their relationship with the Lord. They were more afraid of life without God than life with God. They were ready to risk God consuming them than living without him. You see, in verse 5, God commands them to take off their ornaments so that he can know what to do with them. To demonstrate their sorrow, they take off their jewelry, their signs of idolatry. They eliminate what's left of the very thing that stole their hearts from God. But what about you this morning? What do you need to repent of, of desiring above God's presence? What blessings are you looking for in this life? Is it spiritual maturity? Did you know that you can read this book to grow spiritually but miss God altogether? What do you want? A successful career? Children? More money? All these things are good. They're beautiful things. But what if God said you can have these things but I won't be with you? Would you still want it? You see, the Holy Spirit reveals our sin. He, he reveals our idolatry and he leads us towards repentance. Ponder this question. Is Jesus your ticket into heaven or is he your best friend? What we learn from the second half of this text is that being a friend of God and being in the presence of God is better than anything else in this world. So let us repent of our idolatry and turn towards the very presence of God. Point two, God's presence over his blessings. In verses 7 through 11, Moses shows us a better path. He gives us a better way of life. He gives the Israelites a better hope. Take a look at verse 7. The Bible says, now Moses used to take the tent and he would pitch it outside the camp, far off the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. You see, back in Exodus chapter 26 through 30, God has given his people instructions on how to build the tabernacle, God's meeting place, his dwelling place. But it has not been built yet. So right now there is no holy of holies, there's no incense, there's no priest, there's just Moses in his own personal private tent. Verse 7 tells us that Moses will pitch his tent far outside of the camp to seek the Lord. See, Moses is teaching us that there is no better presence, no better blessing than the presence of God. Moses knew that people sinned greatly, and the only way he could meet with God was to go far outside of the camp. He pitched his tent and called it the tent of meeting. We see here that Moses is desiring the very presence of God. You see, the separation from the camp was designed to show the Israelites what they were missing. To enhance the awareness that only God's presence can satisfy our human desires. You see, that's one of the great tragedies of our sin. Sin separates us from God. And we need a mediator. We need someone to step in our place to bring us to God. 
You see, the only way that we can enter into the presence of God is through a representative, a mediator. And Moses is the Israelites' mediator. He was Israel's representative. He's the one that could climb the mountain to speak to God. He's the one that can go outside of the the camp to pitch a tent to meet with God, to talk to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses, what Moses experienced outside the camp, it brought joy to the people inside the camp. Their mourning turned into worship. Verse 8 tells us that the people will rise up. They will watch from their own tents as their representative would talk to God. This is good. They don't leave their tents, but they watch the one who stands in their place. And as Moses enters the tent, the presence of God comes down to speak to Moses. Beloved, we have a better mediator than Moses. We have the son of God, Jesus Christ. He is our representative. He is our mediator. He is our good news. He the one that stepped out of the very camp of heaven and decided to dwell among us. To show us the very glory and grace of God, the very love of God. He lived a perfect life, a life that we could not live. And then he died the death that we all deserve because of our sins. The very sin that separated us from God, Jesus died to satisfy the very wrath of God in our place. That's good news. You see, Hebrews 13, 12 through 13 says it this way. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. This is good news, church. Jesus is our great representative. He suffered outside the camp so we can be brought into the presence of God. You see, by his blood, we are healed. By his blood, we are forgiven. By his blood, we are righteous in the sight of God. We don't have to stand at our tents and watch. We can go to God because of what our Savior has done on our behalf. And we can receive we can know that all of our sins are forgiven. We have a new heart that desires God, that just wants to be in his presence. And we have a right relationship with him. We are friends with God. He has given us his spirit, church. You are the very tent of God. You are the meeting place. If you have the spirit of God inside of you. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. Who or what are you placing your hope in? Because God is holy, he will consume you because of your sin. Because God is holy and you are a sinner, it separates you from him. Let me tell you that there is nothing better than the presence of God. Will you turn away from your sin? And will you put your trust in Jesus Christ? Will you become a child of God today by faith in him, by his death on the cross for you, by his resurrection from the dead? You can have new life. You can be able to sing that song that the war is over, the victory has won. Not only will you get the gift of heaven, but you get the gift of God's presence. 
Will you not leave here today without making that decision to try to follow Jesus, to put your trust in him? God is good. Christian, Jesus has provided for us the greatest blessing of all time, the very presence of God. We can know him and we can make him known to the world. God's presence puts every other blessing into its proper place. God gives us good things, so now these good things can point us to the ultimate thing. Your marriage points you to God. Your career points you to God. Your children are an opportunity for you to be in the very presence of God. Did you know that? I know you guys don't like your workplace, but guess what? You are there to represent God and to be in his presence. Did you know that? That God wants to use you? He wants to shine his light through you? God is good. His blessings are not bad. I don't don't want you guys to walk away saying blessings are bad. Blessings are good. When God heals you, praise God. If God blesses with a child, praise the Lord. But guess what? They usher us into his presence. They usher us into worship where we can behold the glory of God through the face of Jesus Christ. See, God is the greater giver of all time. And all of his good gifts are meant to bring us deeper intimacy with him. Every blessing is a means to be in the presence of God. One thing we can learn from Moses about the path of God's presence over his blessings is that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. If we desire God's presence, we will receive God's presence. He will not withhold himself from you, church. You see, what if our prayers change from God bless me with the new house and the good health and the good food to bless me with your presence? Show me your glory. Show me who you are. Help me to know you. Use my suffering to help me know you more. Use my relationship with my kids to help me know you more. The Bible says in verse 10, when the Israelites saw the pillar of cloud, they would rise up and they would worship. You see, the Israelites, they fixed their eyes on a better hope. They fixed their eyes on their mediator, Moses. He meets with God on their behalf. God will descend as a cloud and stand at the entrance of the tent. This is a true act of God's grace and his mercy. See, Moses didn't deserve that, but God did it anyway, because that's who he is. He's gracious. He wants to bless us with his presence. When you experience God's grace and his mercy, the only thing that's left for us to do is to respond and worship, holy admiration of who he is and what he has done for us. To fall flat on our face and abandonment, saying all of, all, of my, all of these earthly blessings are yours. Kind of like what Paul said in Philippians. He, he, he gave us his resume, didn't he? He said, I was circumcised on the third day. I was Hebrew of Hebrews. When it came to the law, I was flawless. When it came to zeal, I persecuted the church. But he said, I counted all those things as rubbish for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. So I can know him in his death. So I can participate in his resurrection from the dead. Is that your heart this morning? Do you just want to know Jesus? Do you want to participate? Do you want him to participate with you in suffering? Becoming like him in death so that you can experience the resurrection from the dead? You see, the Israelites went from idolatry to repentance to worship. 
And it's the pattern of our lives. Let that be true for us. Let us turn away from the path of of desiring God's blessings over his presence. And let us pursue God in repentance and worship. There's no greater blessing than the presence of God. Church, when we repent, we don't have to go to God and bargain with him. God, I I, I promise that I won't sin again. God, I, I promise I'll be a better husband. We can come to God just as we are, just like Moses did. He, he just walked into the very presence of God. God wants you to come just as you are. You do not have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. All you have to do is fix your eyes on him because he is the founder and he's the perfecter of our faith. He's the finish line, church. He's the one that we're sprinting towards. We're laying aside every weight and sin, and we are running with endurance, looking straight ahead to Jesus. Because of his death outside the camp, we can know that all of our sins are forgiven. We have God's presence inside of our hearts, and there's nothing that can separate us from his love. Verse 11 tells us that Moses would speak to God face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Moses didn't literally speak to God face to face, right? This is a diaphany, a a visible manifestation of the glorious presence of God. Just like the burning bush. Just like when Moses climbed up the mountain to speak with God. See, Exodus 32, uh, Exodus 33 verse 20 tells us that no one can see God and live. So we know he's not talking to him face to face. But guess what? Since the very beginning of time, God has sought to make himself known to us, for him to be our God and for us to be his people so we can be friends with God. See, God speaking to Moses as a friend shows us his heart from the very beginning, to have an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. He wants to share his life with you. He wants to live face to face with you. Christian, God doesn't just call you friend. He calls you his son and daughters. You believe that? That you have a greater intimacy than what Moses experienced because Christ is in you and he's the very hope of glory. There is no better hope than being in the presence of God. God has given us a better way to live, to desire his presence above anything else but seeing life as an opportunity to know God more and more. Brothers and sisters, the choice is ours. We are at the fork in the road. Which direction will you go? Will you choose God's blessings over his presence or choose his presence presence over his blessings? Either we can keep asking God to give us what we think will make us happy or we can accept his invitation to be in his presence right now and forevermore. To seize the opportunity to get to know him better and represent him to this fallen world. You guys ready? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for giving us every blessing Thank you for all the good things that you give us. Thank you for our family, our friends, this church. 
God, thank you for these wonderful people. That they are a gift from you. And they have pointed me to you. God, I pray that you'll use every blessing in our lives to allow us to behold the glory of your son. God, I pray that we would desire your presence above all else. That we won't be younger brothers, that we won't just be at home and desiring all of your stuff and to be apart from you. But I pray that we would turn home to you to embrace your arms. God, I pray that we won't be older brothers who are just at home for all the wrong reasons. Where we just want to be blessed by God, but don't really care about being in his presence. God, I pray that your presence will be our greatest desire. To know you more and more. And to make you known to this world around us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name.